0: I have been fascinated with the unknown and paranormal realms since childhood. After a profound experience with my grandmother's spirit 20 years ago, I have been on a quest to observe, study, investigate, and communicate with the afterlife and beyond. It's been an ongoing journey of exploration and discovery. One that has taught me how mortality and the spirit world are forever bonded through the veils of time. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday, September 22nd. October is almost here. I hope you are all doing well tonight. It seems like I have been off air forever. It's been a couple of weeks, but I'm glad to be back. And we have a great show planned for you tonight. Of course, you were tuning right back into the Afterlife Chronicles, where we explore the connection between life, death and beyond right here on WLTKDB.com. Of course, I'm your host, Nicole Strickland. No Realm of Darkness to recap tonight. They will be back, I think, sometime in November. Looking forward to that. If you haven't followed us on the station, do so with our handle at WLTKDB, of course, the Afterlife Chronicles at uh, Afterlife Chronicles and beyond on Facebook. And then, of course, Podbean, .podbean afterlifechronicles.podbean.com. And I'm very excited to report that a couple of months ago, uh, the show hit uh, 10,000 downloads, which, you know, I know for many is probably not. A lot, but you know, I'm happy if just one listener listens to the show. So that that means a lot to me. And so, OC Paracon, as you know, I always announce it. We are just a little over a week away, October first and second, at the Sinesta Hotel. Organized by Henry San Miguel and Unearthing the Supernatural, myself and Pete Orbea of Paranormal Pete Show will be there. We will be speakers and panelists. It's going to be a great event. So if you're interested and you're in the area, go to ocparacon.com. And of course, last week was they the excuse me the return debut of Haunted Voices Radio. Of course, I missed the show. I felt really bad, but I will be back tomorrow as uh, Todd Bates and I interview Henry San Miguel. And then um that's about it. Uh, I want to leave some time for our guest. It's super amazing show. As many of you know, I'm very fascinated with uh, near-death experiences, shared death experiences, the origin of consciousness, all of that. And so that's pretty much tonight's guest so i am pleased to welcome dr scott taylor he has many accolades an amazing bio he is the president of the eai the expanded awareness institute he's an author um, of six and voice six best-selling cds of guided meditations on near-death experiences and Into the Light series, and many, many more um, accolades, and I will leave that up to him to share. So let's go ahead and bring him in. Dr. Scott Taylor, how are you doing tonight?
1: I am awesome. Thank you, no, Yeah. And Nicole, I am um, just want to say I've been really looking forward to this, so thank oh, you for the invitation.
0: Absolutely. I have to. Me too. Like all week, I've been looking forward to it, and I have to apologize because... <laughs> one of my ring, my little tiny ring light broke. So if I seem dark, that's why, but you know what, I'll get a new one. It's all, that's what Amazon's for. So that'll be fine. So So,
1: it has nothing to do with your spirit or your outlook or any of that.
0: That is very true. That is a good point. Excellent point. So (laughs) many, many topics to uh, talk about tonight. I think um, if it's okay with you, just how you got started and what you do. And I definitely, I'm, I know people want to hear about your shared death experience and all of that. So very, very fascinating stuff.
1: So why don't I start there?
0: Yeah, um, go for it.
1: Uh, because I think it will not only talk a little bit about who I am and what my experience has been, but it will set up our conversation for later as we talk about shared death experiences and how they relate to near death experiences. And, you know, it'll,
0: Perfect. Perfect.
1: I was in love with a woman. Her name was Mary Francis and she and her son, Nolan, who just turned seven, uh, were out sailing one day in um, southern Minnesota on Lake Washington. This is 1981. So it was a while ago. And on their way home from the lake, they were involved in this horrific car crash and, and Mary Fran was killed instantly. And Nolan uh, sustained this um, this terrible head wound that um, that it that eventually it took him six days to make his transition.
0: Mm.
1: Luckily, we were um, because we were in southern Minnesota. That's where the Mayo Clinic is, and so both Mary Fran and Nolan were rushed to Saint Mary's Hospital in rochester minnesota and they received just just awesome care but it you know it just it just wasn't to be now it's important that there were six days between the accident and when nolan made his transition because mary fran was part of a a large family she was one of nine
0: wow and
1: yeah wow and um so that allowed, that time allowed all these relatives and friends and aunts, and uncles, and neighbors and whatever, they all descended on, on Rochester uh, so they could hold vigil for Nolan, who was the eldest grandchild in the family. So he had kind of a, a special place in everyone's heart. Because there were so many of us, um, we divvied up the time with Nolan. So um, each of us, we went in in shifts of two people, and we went in and we kept Nolan company. And one of the things we know about people who are in comas, um, he had never um, come out of his coma. He was always, since the accident until he made his transition, he never regained consciousness. But we now know, and the staff there told us that you know, the last thing to go is the sense of hearing. So it would be important that we go in and talk to him and tell him stories. You know, that way he would know that we were there and were supporting him. Well, as it turns out, my shift was with Jannie, who is Mary Fran's oldest sister, on uh, early in the morning of the sixth day. So we had the three AM to five AM shift. And we went in and, you know, we read him stories and then we told him funny things that were happening in the hospital. And as it turns out that that evening, um, the brothers in the family had gone throughout the mail system and stolen all of the cushions that were on the couches. So it would be you know, laid out on the floor of this little waiting room with you know, 40, 50, 60 people in it. And, you know, so everybody's sleeping giggly, biggly all over everywhere. And it was funny. And and so we're telling him, you know, these stories and just trying to keep um, his spirits up and, and our spirits up. Well, it gets to be about quarter to five in the morning. And Janny, who was a trained nurse, went to the end of the bed and she looks at his chart and she looks up at all the monitors that you know, surrounded his head at his bed and she just shook her head and she held her hand out to me and said Scott it's time to say by. Yeah. So we pulled a couple of chairs sat next to Nolan's head and we told him how, how brave he had been that he had clearly struggled mightily to stay with us um, here in the physical world, who was um, being such a good boy in his efforts to uh, to be with us, but if Mary Fran remember she died six days before, um, if Mary Fran were to his mother were to come and him up um, it would be right and proper for him to go with her yes and so um, we affirmed our affection for him and then it's five o'clock and we left and went into the waiting room and took the spots of the people who had the, <laughs> they had the next shift well it wasn't 45 minutes later when the nurse on the floor came in and woke us all up and said, um it's it's time. He's he's on his final descent and and you should gather bedside. So we did. And we all got up and we filed into this little hospital room. And as it turned out, I was one of the last people into um that room and it's already, you know, four or five deep around his bed. And I said, Well, what's the point of that? So I just went over and sat on the windowsill next to Mary Fran's youngest brother, Willie, and we just waited. And it was about 45 minutes and, um, you know, the whole time there's really nothing to do you know, other than you sit and watch the heart monitor, you know, and it kind of does its
0: yes thing. It's-
1: and, then, and, and finally it, you know, it goes flatline and has that really ominous drone. Yep. And yes. and when he flatlined, when Nolan flatlined, what I experienced was um Mary Fran coming across the veil and coming up to her son and scooping him up out of his physical body. And they had this most exquisite reunion between mother and child. You can only imagine the joy of reunion that would take place. And I was surprised because I got to be part of it. I got to feel what they were feeling. And, and then the two of them turned to me, came over and embraced me. And the three of us then left and went to the light. And, When I entered into the light, it was the most astounding piece. It's the the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me because all at once I was um, in this arena that is all love. It's compassion, it's ecstasy, it's joy, it's we don't have really good words for it. And at the same time, you understand at a really visceral level that you are connected with everything that's in the universe. You're connected to the love that is the um, the foundation of our universe. You're connected to the love that is God's love. And in, predict, in particular, I was also connected with Mary, Fran, and Nolan. And the three of us were there in the light, and we had a chance to um, to be with one another. We had a chance to express our love and affection for each other. We had a chance to actually say our goodbyes, and, and then we just kind of hung out for a while. <laughs> and then it felt complete. And when that happened, you know, Mary, Fran and Nolan turned and they went further into the light and I returned to my physical body um, back in my body that's sitting on the windowsill next to, you know, next to Willie. So that's part A of the story. I'm going to pause here for a second. You got any questions about that part?
0: I, I, you know, I'm actually just awestruck. Uh, because it 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 this is why I love talking about stories like this because it shows that this isn't the end that you mm. know we transitioned into something that's just so utterly beautiful and so here I mean I'm almost crying because it's very it's very inspirational so yeah
1: then I'll move to part B
0: <laughs> go right ahead before I lose it no I'm kidding <laughs> great no you're
1: not I, I can tell. Um, so part B is that, um, so I have, um, lifted out of my body and I'm in the light with Mary, Fran and Nolan, and we're doing our thing, but I am also in my physical body sitting in the wind on the windowsill next to Willie. And I know this because. Inside of me, it's like the light and love of the universe is trying to burst out of my physical body. And I am fully conscious that on my face is an expression of joy and wonder and ecstasy. And if anybody had looked at me, they might have misinterpreted what was going on. Right. Because, you know, in that room, they had just they'd lost Mary Fran six days ago and they had just lost Nolan and it was incredibly sad and people are weeping and they're hugging each other. So I'm sitting around this on the windowsill and I've got this, this expression of radiance around me. And the only thing I could think of to do was to cover my face with my hands. And, Interesting. and so, um, I was with Mary, Fran, and Nolan in the light. I was also fully conscious in my body at in the hospital room. And I didn't know what was happening to me then. Now I know that there's a word for that. It's called bilocation. Yes. Where you have two separate distinct consciousness. And they're both operating fully and... Yeah, so you're like in two places at the same time and you don't think that's weird. <laughs> it's just, it's, so anyway, um when I came back to my physical body, I could, you know, then lower my hands and be with the other grieving relatives in the room because I needed to hug people and they needed to hug me and and yeah, and it was a uh, Um, a way to say goodbye in the physical world. So it was, you know, it was a traumatic time.
0: This is, I mean, this is uh, one of the most beautiful uh, shared death experiences I've ever heard of. And I'm wondering in your opinion, if some people may have these and may not be aware of it, because it seems you, you were just had total awareness of it, it seems.
1: Well, truthfully, um, so I'm a young man then, I'm 27 years old, and I had grown up in southern Minnesota in a small town and attended a mainline Presbyterian church, and I had no concept that this kind of thing could happen, let alone words for it. Right. You know, the idea that you could witness somebody coming across the veil, that they could you know, scoop someone out of their physical body that, that you could share in it and then leave and go and share and be with them. And what makes it even more difficult was because in the moments of my greatest grief, I was also in my greatest joy. So those two emotions are now... Um, They're linked. Yes. I I can't separate them because, you know, when I tell, Mm
0: -hmm. when I
1: tell the story and sometimes my voice will break a little bit. It's this combination of, you know, the grief of losing Mary, Fran and Nolan. But it's also this, you know, I'm right back there with that incredible joy and love that is the universe. And, you know, that's overwhelming, too. So it's a a really complicated way to be. And for people who have had the experience, um, I can really see where if if something happened to them, that they might not have the words for it. So they they don't actually pursue it. There's a, a, (laughs) they say one of the the first common element in a near-death experience is that they are ineffable which is a great English word for, we don't have a great English word for it. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, to have something that is really outside of your concept of who you are as a human being and not have the ability to describe it, um, you know, people could dismiss it. Uh, That's hard to do, but, you know, they can at least set it aside or um, it can, yeah
0: yeah you know and it's hearing these these stories and 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 these types of encounters it just it's very reassuring for us because a it it lets us know that there is a a beautiful beyond once we transition from this realm. It does help with the grieving process and it lets us know that our loved ones you know what you know the physical body may be gone, but the essence, the soul of that individual will always remain with us. And so that's why I love hearing these stories, is because it's very reassuring in in that way.
1: So uh, two th- two things for that um, research, and this is old research now; it's got to be over ten years old. Shows that sixty percent of the U.S. population has had some contact with their dead relative, you know, or a relative since their final transition. So it's a ton of people. And they generally don't talk about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I've, I'm seeing, at least in, from my perspective, I'm seeing more people with a willingness to share, which is nice, I, I yeah. think. And, um, the,
1: and the other thing is, there's some brand new research that just came out. William Peters did it. And he describes yeah. it in his book, At Heaven's Door. So yes, that
0: I'm familiar with it. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah,
1: so in that, he studied 800 people who had shared death experiences wow and so that's a big number if you're Huge. in the, in in the statistical arena you know n is really good for that <laughs> um, so 800 people and get this of the 800 people that he interviewed 100% every single one of the 800 left and entered a benevolent afterlife.
0: I'm. I am. I have no doubt on that.
1: Yep. Which is no different than what happens with a near death experience, because some people will have what's known as a less than positive experience, as an NDE. But when, just to remind folks, with a near death experience, um, you know your physical body is traumatized so much that it dies your non-physical body leaves and goes out and has an adventure. And then somebody back here in the physical world, you know, reanimates the body. And, and so, you know, the soul, the non-physical body can come back in again. And as opposed to a shared death experience, that is like what I had where I'm perfectly fine. I'm sitting on a windowsill next to Willie and all of a sudden, I have been transported into the light because of an invitation by Mary, Fran, and Nolan to come with them as there, as Nolan is making his final transition. So in a near-death experience, by definition, it's not your final time. I mean, you can go and kind of do a little preview of what's out there, but you have to come back to your physical body. In a shared-death experience, one of the two people... Is making their final transition. They will not come back, and as a result, um, you are actually witnessing, getting to share in uh, what that is like. And so, there's no, there's no guesswork here. This really is uh, what's happening.
0: It's utterly beautiful, um, and I'm, and I'm sure you've done this. Have you reflected on? okay, why me? Why 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 did this happen to me? Have you thought about that? I'm sure you have. That's kind of a simple oh, yeah. question. And,
1: right? and, and we now know the answer. <laughs> Thank you, William Peters, and my own experience. <laughs> um, uh, first off, uh, so I'm the experiencer, the person who's having the shared death experience. And then there's the person making the tra- their transition, which in my case would be Nolan. So the experiencer... I'm sitting on this window sill and I'm watching the heart monitor, you know, and it's doing the I gotta get this right here.
0: Beep, beep. Yeah. Right? You know, it's yep.
1: doing its thing and it's getting slower and slower. Well, when you watch that for 45 minutes, it puts you into a open and receptive state. It's kind of like just meditating. I mean, you're just waiting for something to happen.
0: I was thinking that. Yeah, very meditative.
1: Yeah. So most of the people who've had a uh, shared death experience have were in this open and receptive state they could have been sleeping they could have been reading a book all different kinds of stories but they were they were ready for it and then i find this really interesting the invitation has to come from the one making the transition back to the person in the physical world so the invitation had to come from mary fran and nolan to me, and it's not the other way around. I can't sit there and wish myself to go with them. They've got to come back and pick me up. The other criteria is um, there has to be a heart connection between the two people.
0: I was just going to say that I I bet with in your situation and others that have had something similar that. Um, those individuals are very, very connected soul to soul. There's a, yeah. there's, the, there's there's that kinship there. So that makes sense.
1: And in my case, um, Nolan's biological father had disavowed any knowledge of his actions and had refused to play a part in their lives and to support them. He just opted out. And so Mary Fran chose not to tell Nolan who her biological father was who is biological. I see. So when I came into the scene and, you know, we were developing a relationship and it was serious and, um, you know, he started to look at me like a father figure. He wanted a father just like every other seven-year-old boy in elementary school. And, and I'm looking at him as, you know, as a son and um so there was definitely a heart connection that that was being established between the two of us and then we have mary fran my primary relationship um um that was also present so i got like you know double covered (laughs) if if that's a esoteric turn i'm not sure but no, ahead. that
0: makes sense to me. That's just I mean, oh, my gosh, this is just so inspirational. I just love hearing stories like that. I like this. I mean, it's just truly, truly amazing. Um, Lots more. I have so many more questions for you. We do have to take our one and only break tonight just real quick. So stay tuned. You are tuning into the Afterlife Chronicles right here on WLTKDB.com. Of course, I'm your host, Nicole Strickland. And tonight's guest is Dr. Scott Taylor. We will be right back.
2: The truth is here and now on WLTKDB talk radio at WLTKDB.com. Hi everybody, this is Patty
0: Negri. Hi, I'm Pete Orbea. Hi, this is Nicole Strickland.
2: My name is Hero. My name is Sean Clint.
1: Hey everybody, Cleek Keith here, author of Ghost of Greystone Beverly Hills. I'm excited to invite you to the O.C. Paracon, which is going to be the first week in October. Now, that's just some of the people you're going to meet at Orange County Paracon. That would be Anaheim's first ever paranormal conference. I'm Henry, the organizer and also the host of Paranormal Perception, inviting you to meet those people that you just saw. You'll meet everybody, including some guests, some people that we haven't even announced on the website. It's going to be a surprise. Everything, info, tickets available on that website, O.C. Paracon. Hope to see you to kick off our favorite time of the year in Anaheim at OC Paracon.
2: Take us with you on the go and download the new WLTKDB mobile app. Search the App Store and Google Play under WLTKDB Talk Radio. Download free today. The Unexplained. It's all around us and usually supplies more questions than answers you need answers you need cross-country paranormal founded by benjamin young ccp seeks to train educate and mentor anyone that has a passion for the paranormal CCP is building a network of teams and investigations across the country, and all experience levels are welcome. Learn more about CCP on their website, ccpinvestigations.com, where you can find frequently asked questions, check out their equipment, follow their latest events, and, of course, shop. Visit them now at ccpinvestigations.com. That's ccpinvestigations.com. Cross-Country paranormal. All are welcome. All are family. This is WLTK-DB Talk Radio.
0: 32 minutes past the hour. Time flies by when you do radio, right, guys? Oh, and I forgot to say, I am sporting a WLTKDB, can't really see it, but one of the WLTKDB t shirts, and it's great. So go to the shop right there on WLTKDB.com and get yourself some merch, folks. Awesome stuff. Forgot to mention that. Okay, welcome back to the Afterlife Chronicles. I'm your host, Nicole Strickland. Of course, if you missed the first half hour, that's fine. It will be archived for you. Tonight's guest is Dr. Scott Taylor. I highly encourage you to listen to that first half hour. He shares a very profound, uh, inspirational shared death experience. Uh, So please go and tune into that And so now we have about 25 minutes left. These shows go by fast. You know, I will say, I I do want to have you back if you want, because we're not going to cover everything in this hour. So if you want to come back, we can do a second episode, a third episode. Just so much to talk about. I wanted to ask you, after you had this beautiful shared death experience, what sorts of after effects did you experience uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually that you're willing to share?
1: Um, sure. Uh, that's a great question. Cause um, I had this profound experience where I'm in the love and light and I was missing Mary, Fran and Nolan terribly. And it occurred to me that if I was there once, I would be able to do it again if I could just figure out how to do it. And so um, my original thought was that in some of these ancient sacred sites around the globe, there might be a little bit of juju still left in those sites that could help propel me back into that um, non physical arena, and I could reconnect with Mary Brian and Nolan. So I went to places like, um, Stonehenge and the Oracle of Delphi and the Pyramids and the Sphinx and Machu Picchu. And I went to more cathedrals than you could shake a stick at. And, you know, I short answer, nada crickets. <laughs> Nothing happened except I had a great vacation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can count that. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely, it's a great food. I met nice people, but you know it didn't kind of accomplish the objective. So then I said, "All right, maybe it has to be more experiential." So I I started different down different paths. I was a TM meditator. I started uh, studied with shamans in both North America and South America. I studied with the Emoto religion in Japan. And that was sort of kind of okay. So then I I got a degree at the seminary and, and, you know, to kind of maybe they have some head stuff they can mix with. Anyway, so. That didn't work. I mean, it did work. I, I was profoundly changed by all those experiences, but it isn't where I wanted to go until I ran into the Monroe Institute. And they teach a very specific form of meditation that uses binaural beats.
0: Oh, that help, yes. That helps yeah. you
1: raise up your vibratory level so it can match what um, what's going on in the non-physical world. And that's why the invitation has to come from, you know, like Nolan to me. You know, it's higher vibration to lower. And so... um, I went there. I took their gateway class and that's the first class that you take when you're there. And I did it. I was able to reestablish that connection and subsequent classes that I took. um, I was able to really strengthen that connection so that it's available to me anytime I want. I mean, Nolan is right there. <laughs> I can, you know, I can feel him. And, it's um so in terms of it after effect there was this desire to um curiosity is one thing that really strikes in this this wanting to reconnect again that's in there and it's so it so changed me that those couple of courses i wound up um being a facilitator at the Monroe Institute for 35 years. And in the last two years, I was their executive director. Wow. Helped them get through the pandemic and all of that. So, um, yeah, it was, it had profoundly changed my life in that way. Um, The other thing in terms of an after effect was I, I kind of intimated before that, I didn't know what happened to me. I didn't have the words for it. I didn't have the concept for it. And all of this other searching helped me come up with words and concept and experience that that helped me get there because I didn't tell anybody for like 15 years what had happened to me. And partly it was because it was ineffable. But the other part was, um, there's a there's a thing in near death research called fear of disclosure
0: yeah i've heard that
1: and uh and so near death experiencers wait to tell their story typically they wait until they have somebody safe that they can tell the story to and the reaction of that other person in that first storytelling winds up being critically important in terms of how well they're able to integrate that experience, and how well they uh, accept what happened to them, and believe what happened to them. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, those are those are two top ones. I've got, I have a third weird one. I came back with this um, funky energetic aura, and it manifests itself. As I'm driving down the street at night, um, I turn off street lights. Oh, <laughs> um,
0: I'm not. You know what? I'm so not. Why am I not surprised at that? You know, yeah, the, the, the I drive, energy. I
1: drive underneath the street light. It turns <laughs> off. I keep driving. It turns back on again. Oh man! like, okay, that's a. You know, other people come back psychic and they have all these kind of other gifts. And I, me and the streetlight seem to be connected somehow. And something <laughs> I'm not sure the what that's worth, but, you know, it's,
0: it's worth something, you know, that's <laughs> oh wow. And, you know, um,
1: you have to take yourself with a little um you do a sense of humor in this world.
0: Yes, especially now. Absolutely. I have to remind myself that all the time because sometimes I can be a little serious, but I do have my goofy side, too. So, yes. so that's a good point. You know, a lot of people that I think uh, may not be familiar with NDEs or maybe they are. I've heard the term. Well, an NDE happens when you die. What are your thoughts on that? Is that well, true? Is that.
1: Uh, Let's see it's sort of kind of true. It's it's like saying, how close is an NDE to an SDE? Yeah. Right? Because a shared right. death experience, you are actually going with somebody who is making their transition. Right. And an NDE is when, um, you know, you leave your physical body and then come back again because of the resuscitation efforts of somebody. Um, but here's what we know is that they are really, really close. So the after effects of an NDE are the same as an SDE. Sorry, I got a-
0: There's one in here too, I'm telling you. A fly running
1: around here. (laughs) And a, um, yeah, so the after effects are the same. And, um, geez, I lost my thought. Um, Oh, yeah, the common elements of an SDE are the same as in an NDE. So when people are in the, their final transition and they, you know, meet a guide and they go through the tunnel and at the end of the tunnel, they enter the light and there's the um, there's a reunion with all the dead friends and relatives and pets. And then you meet a being of light and you begin and and you are... Um, healed and your questions are answered and then you have a life review which is another whole that's a whole show in itself it's
0: that's a common that's a very common uh
1: yeah uh, not
0: the but thing that's reported
1: yep it's it's one of the common elements and then there's the reception center and uh you know all of these common elements um are the same with a near-death experience as they are with a shared death experience there is one thing that seems to be a little bit different in a shared death experience in that um, there are more ascension stories so when somebody comes to pick you up um, you find yourself going up an escalator up a set of stairs walking up a hill flying upwards so Lots of ascension, um, more so than you find in a near death experience. That seems to be the only difference. And so anyway, there are, so could you say it's like when you die? Sure. It's almost the same.
0: Yeah, that's, I kind of was thinking that myself, um, and and was, sorry, no, that was a
1: long answer to get to that. No, here.
0: no, I, I love the explanations because you're very thorough in explaining and elaborating. And there's there's a lot of science now on NDEs and and SDEs as well, um, including alternative explanations. Um, what are some uh, what are some of those? So if you're so, having a discussion with someone, they're like, "Oh yeah, well, what are, what are the alternative explanations of maybe a near death or a shared death experience?"
1: Yeah. Um, so there was a whole lot of them, you know, it was, you know, it's, uh, hypoxia, you know, lack of oxygen to the brain.
0: Yes. That's a big one.
1: You know, it's DMT or the God molecules, or I love this one. It's, um, memories from your birth, you know, like go to the light.
0: You know,
1: (laughs) and so there, um, There was a very special man who helped found the International Association for Near Death Studies. His name is Dr. Bruce Grayson.
0: Yes, I know who he is.
1: And his role since the beginning was to seem to, he's a PhD MD, so he's a, a psychiatrist and he's a medical doctor. And his role was to People would come to him and say, I think it's the God molecule, or I think it's memories, or it's hypoxia. And he'd go, All right, that's interesting. Let's check it out. And he would design an experiment and go and prove or disprove that those particular theories. And there's a whole raft of them. I mean, you could shake a stick at, at how many ways people had thought of, like, well, what are these alternative explanations? Until 20 years ago, a a cardiologist by the name of Dr. Pim Van Lommel, uh, he's from Amsterdam, and he set up this incredible experiment that proved that consciousness does not reside within the physical body. Consciousness does not arise from the brain, nor does it... um, yeah, it's not a, it's not a function. Consciousness is not a function of the brain and it doesn't live there. It lives in our non-physical body. And so um, if you want, I can describe that experience. But he uh, so 20 years ago, um, he nailed it down and he said. Consciousness, you exist before. And then you incarnate, and you have your consciousness that's in your physical body. And then it, once the physical body is done, you you live on afterwards. Um, and so then, now the research has really shifted from is it real? Yeah, it's real. Read read the science behind it. And it and that study has been duplicated once in the UK with Dr. Fennick, and once in um, the United States with. Dr. Bruce Grayson at the University of Virginia and so it's it's all done so the, the research has now shifted and the conversation has now shifted to a question that's more like how do you live with what you know once you've had this experience what does it mean for you for me for our collective human experience what does it mean? for how we organize ourselves. Um, how do we think about um, our, our collective nature? And um, so it's, it's a fascinating time to be uh, part of all of this as we um, come to grips with the idea that um, our um, brain is not the seat of consciousness.
0: Yeah. And I've actually heard this before and I, I, I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Uh, and there, I mean, there's so much research out on it and it, it's just so utterly, utterly fascinating. Um, I've read up on even Dr. Sam Parnia at NYU and a lot of his studies, but it's, it's phenomenal that we're, we can use science to help explain this.
1: Yeah. It's really so it's, interesting now yeah. that science, especially physicists, Yeah, um, they are now using the same same kind of languaging as the ancient mystics and near death experiencers as as they try to describe what the universe is like. Um, They're they're coming to the same conclusions. Um, Yeah, I had a really interesting conversation with uh, Stefan Schwartz. And he was he was telling me about um, Einstein's famous quote is that reality is an optical delusion.
0: (laughs) We've all heard (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) And that uh, Max Planck, the really the very famous. uh, Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. uh,
1: You know, says that, um, you know, consciousness is fundamental. It is the thing. That is the universe, and that all time uh, springs from consciousness. That all matter springs from consciousness. That you know, space string springs from consciousness. So, um, his his languaging is there. Uh, you can't get behind consciousness. I I like that. There's just that is the thing that makes up the universe, and from they talk about it like it's some sort of neutral consciousness. That's not my experience. My experience is that it is a profoundly loving consciousness. And, um, but that's okay.
0: And, you know, with, with the existence of that, it, it baffles me why so many people cannot tap into that. You know, I mean, you nowadays, even going back in our history, you know, people hurt each other and there's all this turmoil and it's like, you know, there's this beautiful consciousness that exists. You think that it would be easier to tap into it, but it's, it's hard for many people.
1: Well, I think that was the original concept of religion.
0: Yeah, that's a good point
1: that, you know, somebody had a profound experience and then that somebody told people and they wrote it down. And all of a sudden that became scripture. And in order to, try to have the same experience as the original founder um you had to enter into a expanded state of awareness and and be there right and that's why um cathedrals feel so different than than walking outside um i know when i taught at the monroe institute the moment i would drive up on campus i could i could feel the 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 impact that intention consciousness has had on, on the physical space, you get, you can feel it. So anyway, um, I think that um, all of the, you know, Judaism, Christianity, Muslim, certainly, you know, the Eastern religions, they all teach a form of meditation. And yes, meditation seems to be uh, the gateway drug. <laughs> it's that I
0: love the way you put that. That's awesome. Yes,
1: uh, it's the ability to enter into and hold expanded states of awareness gives people the experience of being um, the experience of non-local consciousness. How about that?
0: Yeah. So that, makes
1: sense. that we're able to um have that experience with the divine all by ourselves, but we have to be willing to do some sort of practice that allows us to get in there. And it can be all kinds of things, you know. You can sing, you can chant, you can do drums, you can um, you know, sit and meditate and look at a wall. You can I found a new one lately. Um The art of rock balancing. Do you know about this?
0: I, You know what? I look at it like when I'm driving on the freeways and I see that. I see people doing that.
1: Yeah, so people will take rocks like this and then stack them on top of each other. And in order for it to be balanced just right, it takes mental clarity. And, I mean, you can't be thinking about anything else when you're sitting there and it's just getting that tippy point. And it's, and when you get done, there's this beautiful piece of art.
0: Oh, they're amazing to look at. And my friend,
1: friend who enter, Pat Belisle, who introduced me to rock balancing, um, says that he, he creates them, leaves them up to remind people that there is wonder and magic in the world.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love don't that.
1: You, don't you just love that?
0: That is fabulous. That is, you know, and I think any form of art, whether it's painting or um, writing or, or uh, whatever, any form of art, I think people at that moment are tapping into that collective, that consciousness that exists, I think.
1: When I channeling studied,
0: and things like that. Yeah.
1: When I studied with the Emoto religion in Japan, one of their tenets is that. Art is the mother of religion. And by that, they mean that when you use the same, when you use your creative force to do something, and in their case, it would be tea ceremony or, or Budo or, you know, painting or pottery, you know, any of the traditional Japanese arts, that doesn't make any words, pick an art form. When you're doing your art form you are using the same creative force as God used when the universe was created. And so it's a way of tapping into that that divine creative force. I find that just lovely. And It's
0: yes, it's so fabulous. I love that word fabulous. Oh my <laughs> gosh, this is I had no this is a, a, such an amazing discussion. We have a few minutes left. I wanted to briefly, and again, like I said, I'd love to have you back if you want, briefly talk about because I, I love the name of this, the Expanded Awareness Institute. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So when I read that in your bio, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Good stuff. So,
1: yeah. So I spent 35 of my years of my life teaching at the Monroe Institute teaching people how to enter into expanded states of consciousness or expanded states of awareness so that they could, they could touch this space and they could explore this space. You know, that's a problem with near death experiences is, you know, you're, you're going along and all of a sudden you have a car accident or you have a heart attack or, I mean, something sudden happens to you and you are lifted out of your body and you're slammed into this universe and you have no idea what's going on. You don't know what the rules of the road are. You don't know who these people are that are around you. It's, it can be very confusing. And as a result, um, near death experiences tend tend, not always, but they tend to happen to you as opposed to, when you enter into those same spaces using meditation, it's a co-creative adventure. And, you know, you've got the tools and, and uh, the map of what is possible in this universe because of all these other people that have gone before you and and left the breadcrumb trail. And so it's, um, I have real compassion for people who've had a near-death experience and they were just just blown away by it and they don't have the words for it. And they realize that they are connected to everything in the universe and that the love is the foundation and and they didn't come from that arena. And now all of a sudden they come home and what they know to be true is really different from the cultural place they came from. And so there's this disconnect. I mean I have great compassion for what it's like to to live after having had an NDE. Yeah,
0: I've talked to a lot of people that that have had them and and it's very intriguing and, and enlightening in many ways to hear how their lives have changed, you know, in a, in a more positive direction since having an event like that. Amazing, amazing! Um, wow, I, there, there's like all these different questions I have, and different areas we can go. So we'll definitely book another episode. Uh, in the last couple of minutes, do you have any events, anything you want to plug? Uh, your websites, your social media channels, anything like that? Sure. Uh,
1: you well, thank you for asking. I love yeah. that kind of question.
0: Why not? You know? So Why not?
1: I have a, a website. It's called neardeathmeditations.com Awesome at this website. Um, you can find out about my workshops that are either uh two days or my retreats, which are five and a half days, where I take you to the same places that near death experiencers go to when they you know have their adventure. Um, also, there are my uh albums. Uh, Nicole, you mentioned that I have you know six uh best selling. Uh, albums, and they're right behind me.
0: I see them back there. I recognize yeah, like that fun. logo. Yeah,
1: it's called the Into the Light series. Love and, it. And um, it's kind of a taste. It's you get to taste what binaural beats are like, and you get to taste what a ga- guided meditation is like. And if you want, there's an album that has very little talking on it, so it's just the vibrations that you're raised up, so you can spend time in there alone without me yapping in your ear. <laughs>
0: No, I love listening to you talk. This has just been such a fascinating hour. Yeah, and that- I have
1: a and I have a podcast, and I didn't realize it until uh, you invited me. But um, my podcast is called The Afterlife Files.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so similar. And
1: yours is The Afterlife Chronicles. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I went, oh yeah, here this is. We got a buddy thing going on. Yeah, here.
0: there's there's something going on there. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
1: right. You're, you're oh, in wow. my tribe here, Nicole. Yep,
0: yep. I feel it. Yep. There's that kinship. Oh my gosh. This is I just amazing. Amazing good stuff right here. It's been a pleasure having you on tonight. It really has.
1: Thank you. So, I have enjoyed it thoroughly.
0: Yes. And so it'll be interesting to have you back. And we'll there's so much more to talk about. So we'll do that. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your your experiences and your knowledge. So I know listeners are probably getting goosebumps listening because I was. So. so good stuff. Thank you so much. So there you have it, guys. Dr. Scott Taylor, uh, all around fantastic episode tonight. We will definitely get him back on. Uh, like I said at the beginning, there's something very fascinating and intriguing about uh, near death and shared death experiences and a lot to learn. And I think it's important that people share these experiences with others. Uh so it's a way for us to to connect, uh, for us for our souls to connect and and connect with, with the beyond and with uh the universe. So uh it we are out of time. Uh next week, let's see. I do have uh Adam Gell on next week, and then of course the week after is uh let's see her, Joshua. Joshua Lewis. So that will be on uh, the 6th of October. Thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. And if you're not doing anything tomorrow night, make sure to tune into Haunted Voices Radio at 8 Pacific, uh, 10 Central, 11 Eastern, right here on WLTKDB.com. And I will see you guys next week or tomorrow night. Good night, guys.